And it was uh, a wonderful time in his life when he was able to share with them the good news of Jesus. That they could experience God's love and God's forgiveness and this idea uh, and this reality of reconciliation. That, that humans were living far apart from their relationship with God and, and God has come down from heaven and, and brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ and has loved on us and has shown us grace and mercy. So Paul celebrated this with them. They, they had uh, enjoyed their freedom in Christ. But since he left them, there were some, some people who came into town and came into their churches and began to teach them a different way and said, really, um, that's okay that you have responded to God through Jesus Christ. That, that's great. That's, that is good news, but that's not all. There's still more that you have to do. And these were those that were called Judaizers. They uh, were obviously uh, Jews, a part of the, the same faith as, as Christ and, and Paul. Uh, but they were going to people who were not Jews and saying, well, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, and if you want to be reconciled to God, I mean, if you really want to be fully saved, then you need to come through these steps that we have. You need to come through Judaism. You need to be circumcised with, you know, great fun. Um, you need to follow the law, give your allegiance to the law. You need to become a part of this particular community if you want to be full. You want to be complete. And so they were, they were struggling over this. And, and they didn't have any other teachers to come through that were like Paul. And so they began to believe these things. And they start to think that God is this God who is checking off a list. And so God was saying to them, I love you, but really you need to do this, and do this, and do this, and then I will love you the most. And then you will be completely my child. And so they start believing this. Now there's something about our brains and, and just our mentality where we do like for people to give us some boundaries, right? They, we, we, we will be willing to, especially if we don't know the answers and we don't know what to do, it's always helpful for people to tell us what we're to do. And that's, I guess, what happened with them. They began to believe this. And Paul is just beating his head against the wall saying, no, that is completely wrong. It's the exact opposite of what I've been teaching you. It's not what you can do for God. It's what God can do and does do for you. And so he points to the cross. He points to Jesus and says, remember everything I told you about Jesus. That Jesus came into this world. He, as Paul says, he descended from heaven. And he enters into our world. And, and it's taking on, God taking on human flesh in the fullness of time. He comes to walk and to live among us. He walks to Jerusalem and gives his life for all of us. He says, this is what the gospel is all about, is, is that God is bringing us to himself. While we are steeped and, and blinded and, and completely disfigured by our sin, God still looks at us and he says, I love you, period. And I want you to be with me. I want us to be in fellowship with one another. I want you to experience my kingdom. And so I bring you to myself. Paul says it's not about legalism. It's not about religion. It's not about how many times you go to church or what your offering looks like. It's not about any of that. It's about grace. And so Paul is doing everything he can with pen and hand to remind them 
what God and God's love is all about. Now Jesus does something with this as, as well. In fact, Paul is, is taking from the concept of freedom that Jesus provides. And I, I love the way that, that it is expressed and, and was read earlier. If you look in your Bible, if you look there in your bulletin, uh, back at this particular uh, passage. Now, I'm going to read to you something that we didn't have uh, read here earlier, but in Galatians, uh, in chapter uh, 5 here, Paul, again, is, is giving this great and profound truth in verse 1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, not for religion or not for any other reason. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't go back and pick up the chains of all of that stuff that no longer binds you. Christ has come to fulfill the law. But in uh, the gospel text that is today in the, in the Revised Common Lectionary, uh, it is one that I wanted to read. At first, I, I thought I would just stay with the Galatians passage, but this one, I, I think, gives us an understanding of what it means to be free. And Jesus tells us what we are freed from. And this is in Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. I'm going to read this. Uh, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and to consume them? Now, that's what we would say, right? <laughs> Wouldn't we all say that? Jesus, we've seen your powers, and these people aren't receiving you. Can we uh, please call down fire from heaven and, and just burn them up and annihilate them and, and make them go away? Have you ever felt that way? I mean, I'm going to say the pastor. Sometimes I'm like that. But not about this congregation. But he turned and he rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. So Jesus said, no, we can't do that. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But it's for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Those are some pretty tough words <clears throat> that Jesus is giving him. And as he is speaking those words to them, his face, as Luke describes it, his face is set toward Jerusalem. In other words, his focus, his passion, everything about him is focused on what it is that he has to do when he gets to Jerusalem. And we know that Jerusalem is all about uh, the crucifixion and, and this confrontation between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Rome or the kingdoms of the world. Jesus is set on going there. But along the way, he runs into people who have not experienced freedom, people who are enslaved. 
this first guy, I mean, you know, probably you and I would do the same thing. There's this parade going through town of Jesus and his disciples. And you're so excited about what you've heard that Jesus has done for you. And you're so excited about the things that are happening in your city because of this Jesus who's come into your community. And so you say, hey, I will go with you. I'll follow you and go right with you where you're going. Jesus says, really? Are you, are you really sure about that? I know it looks great maybe on the outside, all these people following me around, but listen, I'm homeless. Foxes, if you look at the foxes around, you'll see foxes, they have holes that they can go and sleep in. I mean, that's their home. If you look at the birds in the air, you'll see that they uh, will return to their nest. They go to their nest and they uh, sleep. That's where they have their bird families and, and that's where everything takes place. That's their home. But me, the Son of God, I don't even have a place to lay my head. Think about it. Jesus as homeless. We don't like to think about that, do we? And yet he was. And so Jesus is saying, if you really want to follow me, then you need to give up all this other stuff. Give up your security. Give up all of the things that hold you back and come and follow me. Then you will be free. We don't really have the answer to what happened here. But I think that the guy probably just kind of feared his head a little bit, backed away, forgot his words, and moved on. Then this other person, Jesus looks at him. We don't have any information about that person, but Jesus says, uh, come follow me. Maybe just to see what that person would say or do. And, and the first excuse that is given is, well, you know, Jesus, my dad, I need to go bury my dad. I mean, who says that? I mean, if your dad's dead, what are you doing out there hanging out in the street? Well, the idea is that he's going to die one day, you know, and I need to be around, Jesus. I just need to hang around and be sure that we take care of him and bury him. Jesus says, that's not the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury their dead. Let your family take care of itself. You come and follow your heavenly father and be about the kingdom of God. And then Jesus continues on, and there's this other guy that he runs into. And as he greets that particular person, he says, hey, come and follow me. And the guy says, I will do that, but first, let me go back and uh, take care of, you know, say goodbye to everybody, because I'm real popular back home, and there are people that really would be hurt if I didn't go back and say goodbye to them. And Jesus says, that's not a good answer. If you put your hand to the plow, if you really start to do the kingdom of God and you turn and you look back, then you're not fit for the kingdom of God. You are not fit for it. You're not ready for it because the kingdom of God is something that progresses and keeps moving. It's not a kingdom where you turn and look around and wonder what life would be like if you had never gotten into the kingdom. Jesus said all of these things to all of these people because all of them were enslaved. They were enslaved to notions of God. They were enslaved to things. They were enslaved to finances and enslaved to family. And Jesus stood before them as the great liberator. If you'll just let go of these things, then you can experience real freedom. Harriet uh, Stubman one, one time said that uh, she could have freed more slaves if only more people knew that they were slaves. I think that as I experience life 
And as I observe the lives of, of other people, I think there are so many of us who realize, do not realize what we are enslaved to. And we go through life and we are chained up in so many different ways and sometimes we never realize just how chained we are. Have you seen the, the movie Shawshank Redemption? If you haven't, I mean, it's on like three times a day, every <laughs> day on, on different TV channels uh, going you know, back and forth. But it's about this, this guy who is uh, falsely uh, imprisoned for murdering his wife. And he is, this is back in 1947, and he is serving his time there. And one of the things that he is to do, he's pretty gifted, pretty skilled. He was a banker. And so he helps with the books, and, and the story's kind of built around that in many ways. But he is also organizing records. Remember what records are, like vinyl albums? And as he is organizing those, he comes across one that, that meant something to him. It's a, an opera, uh, classical music uh, record. And so he begins to listen to it. And apparently this is illegal to do in the prison. But it's not just that he's listening to it. He goes into the, the PA system where the... Uh, the music control box and all that is, and he closes himself into it, and he starts to play the music. And as he turns it up as loud as it'll go, all of this music's cranking out over the prison yard, and all of a sudden, people start to get really quiet in that prison. Uh, there's something that Morgan Freeman's character says that I wanted to, uh, to read to you as, uh, as he begins uh, to, uh, to talk about the, what the effect this had on them. He says, I have no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are best left unsaid. I'd like to think they were singing about something so beautiful that can't be expressed in words. It makes your heart ache because of it. I tell you, those voices soar higher and farther than anyone in the great place dared to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, every last man in Shawshank felt free. And it's a great image. The song of redemption. The song of freedom. And I think what we're hearing today in our scripture is like a bird that comes and descends and becomes a part of us, begins to sing a song of freedom. And we have the words of freedom that are right here before us. We don't have to wonder what they say or what they're about. It's explained to us in a very perfect kind of way. I wonder how you hear them in your bondage or in your slavery today. Because really we all are in different ways. I mean, I could just go around, we could just, uh, and probably, we could, we could do this in several hours here, we won't do it today, but just, we could all go around and talk about different things that we're enslaved to. And we are all enslaved to something, aren't we? We take off our masks for a while, we begin to talk a little bit and say, yeah, I really struggle with this, and I struggle with this, and I'm not able to, to be who I fully am or do the things that I really need to do because of this. We could all point to something. But what we need to hear today is what Paul said to the Galatians. It is for freedom that you have been set free. So stand firm, therefore, in your freedom. Stand right in the middle of it. And don't walk back 
into the chains that have held you hostage for so many years. Don't go back to the slave that you used to be. Walk out of them and walk into your freedom. What are the things that we are enslaved to? I think it's the same thing as was true for the Galatians. Maybe it's our notion of God. That we go back and forth between a God of grace and a, and a God of legalism. And as we read throughout the Old Testament, we see that they oftentimes projected their image of God onto God. They, they believed that God was a capricious kind of God that was ready to smite them at, at any given sin that they committed. Because the gods that they worshipped, or the people that lived around them worshipped gods that would come after them for no reason. Maybe uh, he would destroy their crops, or he would make waves come up on the ocean and drown them. And these gods would do all kinds of things for very irrational reasons. And so they began to project this kind of god uh, onto their own god. That God would do this. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you think that God can't love you because of things you've done, things you've said, maybe things you don't have, or person that you haven't become. And so you have this checklist that you envision when you think of God. Now, all of us have had that view of God in different ways. It's just very common. And if something goes wrong in your life, what do you do? God's mad. God has caused this to happen to me because I have been bad. Now, do you see that kind of thinking and how, how skewed that kind of thinking is? Now, maybe God is after you for something. Uh, I mean, that could be. But, but chances are, most of the time, that's not going to be. God is, is going to demonstrate his grace and love to you just as he has done throughout time through Jesus Christ. And so maybe you need to be freed from your view and your false view of God, your antiquated view of God. When you see God, you see the Ten Commandments. And when, what God wants you to see is the cross. And so you can be freed from your old notion of God. Maybe you are needing to be freed from things. How many of you have things? All of you have things, right? We all have things. And the question is, do you have things or do things have you? Do you have possessions or are you possessed? You see, we try to gather all kinds of things that... And I always talk about the hoarders because it's such a train wreck of a kind of show. You know, you look at this and say, all this stuff that people accumulate. But we're not much different, are we? We like things. We like to get things. And when we start to feel lonely or we start to feel guilty or we start to feel like we're unfulfilled, we go and get things. Because things make us feel better. But God wants you to be freed from things. It's not about going back home and Burying your father. It's not about going back home and, and finishing your family business. and, and uh, it, It's not about any of that. Those are things. But what about money? How enslaved are we to money? Money and things really go together. They don't have to, but they do. Jesus talks more about money than he does anything else, doesn't he? Because he knows that we are so enslaved to our money. Here at Church of the Highlands, we talk a lot about predatory lending, and we talk about uh, the cycles of poverty, and we talk about debt, and we, we talk about just the challenge. Uh, the, the demographics in our particular area here are not uh, 
you know, unique and, and certainly they're indicative of, of the United States, but there are a higher number of us in this area that have not just one payday loan debt, but, but multiple ones. And people can't get out of that, and they're enslaved to that. And Jesus wants you and me to hear that we don't have to live that way. You don't have to live in debt. And because of the grace and the love of Christ, there are ways that you can get out of that debt. There are ways that you can get out of the, the bondage of someone standing over you holding debts over your head. You don't have to live that way. And you don't have to live as though everything about your financial um, history and your financial account matter for all of eternity. God wants you to be freed from that. But what about people? People enslave us too, don't they? And we could talk about human trafficking and talk about how there, there are more slaves today than there ever were. I mean, you look at all the history ever before, there are more slaves today than human trafficking. Uh, but it's not just about actual literal slavery, but how are you enslaved by other people? What people think of you, how people treat you, how you want people to think of you. I mean, there are numerous ways we could look at that. Relationships and, and how people can enslave you through a relationship and, and maybe even somebody you haven't seen in a long time, but they still hold power over you because you've been unwilling to let Christ set you free from that relationship. Does anybody have a problem with that? We all do. In different ways. What Christ has done is set us free. He wants us to live free lives. I read a story this past week that was uh, in the New York Times several years ago. And it's about a, uh, a man who had been in prison most of his life. I mean, from a child all the way up uh, until he was in his 50s. And he had lived the prison life. And he was able to finally get out of prison. And he went back to uh, whatever kind of living he could find that would would be normal for him. I mean, most of his life was in prison. And as he was out living free, he found it very difficult to find work, to do uh, things that he could, could do in his neighborhood or to build relationships and just having a difficult time. One day he was on a subway in New York and he was going down uh, to, to another destination and there was a, a guy there on the subway car with him who started looking at him and started, you know, kind of analyzing him. And the guy got nervous about it. And this man approached him and asked him some questions. And turns out the guy is, was a, a movie director. And he was uh, looking for somebody to play a part in his movie who looked like a prisoner, who looked kind of tough, like he had, had been through some difficult times. And he was trying to find somebody that would fit the part. And he asked the guy, hey, you're the perfect candidate for this part. He says, would you come be in a movie? And so the guy comes and auditions, and he gets the part. And so his life begins to change, and he begins to experience freedom in some new ways. And one day they're, they're shooting in a prison cell. And so he goes back into this prison cell, and they're doing different things, and, and in between shots, and you know, just during all the filming, the guy goes into a, a, a prison cell, and he lays down on the, the cot, and he falls asleep. He's so tired, he just falls asleep. And when he wakes up, he is so confused, and, and, and he just wakes up thinking that he's still in prison. You know how it is when you wake up from a nap and, and you kind of wonder where you are? And he begins to just start weeping, thinking that all of this other stuff has been a dream and that he is still in prison. And all he can see are the bars of the jail. 
then all of a sudden he realizes this isn't a dream. My reality is that I am free. And he gets up off the cot and he walks out of those cell doors, completely overwhelmed by the joy of his freedom. We need to do the same thing. We need to realize that we are no longer slaves. We are free. Now will you get up, walk from this place, and be overwhelmed by the joy of your freedom? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for the joy that you have given us in the realization that we are no longer held by the chains of our sin and held by the problems of our lives and held by the things of this world, but that we are 